So uh, it seems to be, you know, common, I don't know, common knowledge or common acceptance that uh, for whatever reason, the, the final words that someone speaks uh, seem to have more impact or more meaning or more power or whatever, right? I mean, uh, you know, kind of this idea that, you know, when someone is uh, about to transition from this life to the next, uh, that those final words that they speak seem to kind of just uh, have a greater impact, right? Seem to linger in the air, if you will, a little bit longer. Uh, and, and I don't know for sure if that's true or not, but, but I suppose, you know, as I think about that concept, uh, there's a couple of maybe reasons why that would be. Uh, the first reason I think, you know, just we as human beings, as, as we get, you know, to that point in uh, when we, we see uh, we're at death's door, we see that it's coming and that's here, and, and we've only got a few more words to speak, uh, we become, I think, more intentional, right, about what we say. Like we start to think about, you know, what we want to communicate to people, right, uh, uh, what words we use, right, and how we want to, you know, the, you know kind of those final things that we say. Like we like want to make sure that they're just right, and so we're a little bit more intentional. And so I suppose if there's more intention in it, that, that those words probably would be maybe more powerful or have more impact. But I think, you know, maybe another reason as well is that for those of us who are with a loved one who's nearing the end, uh, there's just something about sitting with them as, as, they, as their body continues to fail and as, as, uh, as their transition into glory gets closer and closer, that we, you know, kind of heightens our senses, right? And, and we begin to kind of hang on every word. We're listening more intently to what they have to say. Wanting to glean maybe wisdom or, or maybe for some of us we're just hoping and wishing that they'll finally say that one thing we've waited for them to say for years and years and years. Whether that be an apology or whether it be I love you or whether it be some other encouraging word that we can take with us. Whether or not that, that our final words are more powerful than others, uh, I, you know, I don't know that it necessarily matters that it's true or not. But I think it is interesting that if that is true, and if most of us maybe kind of believe that and think that, why don't we spend more time <laughs> preparing for that? Right? I mean, I, we spend a lot of time and effort making sure that we are able to pass on our financial blessings. But how many of us actually take time to think about the spiritual blessings that we want to pass on? How many of us take time to, to really think about and write down our final words? You know, I, I, you would think that that would be more important to us, right? You would think that, oh my gosh, I, I, final words are important. The last thing I say is important. What, you know, I got to make sure that I get it right. But instead, most of us wait until death kind of shows up, right? But the problem with death is that two main things, most of the time it's either sudden or painful, 
Sudden in the sense that we have no idea that it's coming. We get in an accident or something happens, boom, and, and, and life is over. And so the only ones who get to hear our final words are those who happen to be around us. I, I'm reminded of a friend uh, that I knew, a man that I knew, who, who fell into, tragically, into the Grand Canyon. And he was with his wife, and he was able to get out these final words as he clung to the cliff before he fell to his death. It's going to be okay. That's it. That's his final words that are hung there. Now, that could be encouragement, certainly. But, but so often, death can be sudden. And, and, and have we thought about that? Did we want that? Did, did he want that to be his final words? Was there more that he wanted to say that he didn't get a chance to say? But also, the other reality of death is, especially it seems like today, is that death is painful. It's prolonged. And, and we, can, we can just kind of suffer for a long time, not knowing for sure when that day is going to actually come. So what actually are going to be, when is that actually going to happen, our last words? But also, you know, because it is painful, we often get drugged up. And, and then can we even trust that anything we say is, is real or, or meaningful at all? We see in, uh, before us in Genesis 47 to 49, Jacob, Jacob's final words. And it seems that Jacob is an example for us. It seems that it's, he, he sets a good example of, of preparing and being ready to give those final words of blessing. And so let's, uh, let's take a look at how Jacob handled it. We're, we're not going to read uh, Genesis 47 and 48, but we're going to read most of Genesis 49, where he's blessing his sons. And so you can follow with me, uh, Genesis 49, verses 1 through 27. Then Jacob called his sons and said, gather yourselves together that I may tell you what shall happen to you in days to come. Assemble and listen, O sons of Jacob. Listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might and the first fruits of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power, unstable as water. You shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. Then you defiled it and he went up to my couch. Simeon and Levi are brothers Weapons of violence are their swords. Let my soul come not into their counsel. O oh, my glory, be not joined to their company. For in their anger they killed men, and in their willfulness they hamstrung oxen. Cursed be their anger, for it is fierce, and their wrath, for it is cruel. I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have go gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, as, and as a lioness who dares rouse him. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him. And to him shall be the obedience of the people's. Binding his foal to the vine and his donkey colt to the choice vine, he has washed his garments in wine 
and his vestures in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Zebulun shall dwell at the shore of the sea. He shall become a haven for ships and his border shall be at Sidon. Issachar is a strong donkey crouching between the sheepholds. He saw that a resting place was good and that the land was pleasant. So he bowed his shoulder to bear and become a servant at forced labor. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. Dan shall be a serpent in the way, a viper by the path that bites the horse's heel so that his rider falls backward. I wait for your salvation, O Lord. Raiders shall raid Gad, but he shall raid at their heels. Asher's food shall be rich, and he shall yield royal delicacies. Naphtali is a doe let loose that bears beautiful fawns. Joseph is a fruitful bow, a fruitful bow by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attack him, shot at him, and harassed him severely, yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd of the stone of Israel, by the God of your father who will help you, by the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that crouches beneath. Blessings of the breast of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who has set apart from his brothers. Benjamin is a ravenous wolf in the morning devouring the prey and at evening dividing the spoil. Jacob uh, spends the last uh, moments of his life blessing. Before the blessing to his uh, sons, we read in uh, Genesis 47, verse 9, that he also blesses Pharaoh. So after moving from the land of Canaan into Egypt, he, he comes into the presence of Pharaoh and he blesses him. It says, now it doesn't give us what he says in his blessing, but I think we can imagine what a father would say to the, the king of a land who has cared for his son and allowed him to rise to such prominence, right? You would imagine that I'm sure Jacob was quite grateful for and, and appreciative for how Pharaoh had treated Joshua. Joseph, there we go. Uh, anyway, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, yeah, so you, you, you would think that there's this appreciation for that, and that is the blessing that Jacob gives. We also see in chapter 48 that uh, Jacob actually takes time to bless his grandsons. And an interesting story where Jacob calls for Joseph to bring his sons, um, uh, uh, Manasseh and Ephraim. They come to him, and, and as they're with him, he wants to bless them. And so jo Joseph is careful to make sure that, that, that Manasseh is on, his, on Jacob's right hand for the blessing, to place his hand on there, and that Ephraim was on his left hand so Jacob could bless him as the second-born child, the oldest and the youngest, right? But what does Jacob do? Crosses his hand and repeats something that has happened through his family, right? It was Isaac, not Ishmael, that was the promised son, Right? It was, it was Jacob, not Esau, not the oldest, but the youngest. It was Joseph, not Reuben. And now Jacob is once again setting this in motion that it's going to be Ephraim 
who will be the one, the son of promise going forward, forward instead of Manasseh. So we see uh, that Jacob spends all this time blessing, first of all, the pharaohs, then Ephraim, uh, Pharaoh, and then, then Ephraim, and, I can do this, Ephraim and Manasseh. And then next and finally, as we just read, each of his sons. Reuben, he blesses. Now, Reuben and Simeon and Levi, there's a little bit of tension here, right? Because these blessings seem like almost more like curses, but I would caution us from going to that far. I don't know that these are necessarily curses, because I do see like some blessing in this. Uh, he, he, he describes Reuben as honorable and powerful, yet Reuben used that honor and power for evil. And as a result, you know, Jacob kind of says, you know, you're, it's going to diminish you. You're going to lose your preeminence. You're going to lose the fact that you were the oldest son, but you're losing that privilege, not just because God chose Joseph, but because of the way you responded when God chose Joseph. And then Simeon and Levi, he lumps together, and he describes the blessing for them as that they are angry and violent. Now, I, I, again, I think we need to be careful of, him, of Jacob necessarily judging them for this. There is judgment, but the judgment is over how they used the anger and the wrath that God had given them, right? Uh, they rightfully identified that the raping of their sister was wrong. What was the problem was that they decided to take law into their own hands and wiped out you know, the, the people, right, that committed the, the sin. And so, uh, but it, so Jacob also says, you've used these gifts for evil. Because you've used them for evil, there will be a scattering of your tribes. Then next we get to Judah, and Judah is beautiful. You know, we, we maybe you've heard the term the Lion of Judah before, right? This is partly where this comes from, is the promise that Jacob uh, uh, gives over Judah, the, or this blessing that, Judah, that Jacob gives over Judah, that he's going to be a fierce lion, this idea that he's going to be this, uh, uh, this powerful creature, and that he will be a ruler of the nation. And of course, the beauty in this is that we, if we know the rest of the story, it is of the tribe of Judah that David comes and kings and is king and rules, but also God's promise to David that no one will ever, uh, that, uh, that someone will always be on the throne forevermore, for eternity, from the line of Judah. And of course, who is that? Jesus, who was born of the line of, Ju of, the line of Judah as well and continues to rule even to this day. Next, we see Zebulun, a haven for ships, Jacob says. He will be the shelter from the storm. Issachar, a donkey. I don't know if we want to be known as a donkey, but it was a good thing back then. He's going to be a hard worker, and, and, and he's going to put those uh, efforts to, to, to bless their, uh, their family and their extended family as well. Dan is a snake, small but lethal. Not only will he be attacked, but he will be able to fight back as well, and he'll be, uh, uh, be able to uh, provide justice in battle. Gad, again, is vulnerable to attack. Gad, Gad is uh, going to see these attacks that come, but is resilient. It's, not, it's tenacious, going to strike back. He's not going to be just overwhelmed, but it will be able to fight back. Asher is a great chef, <laughs> will provide delicacies fit for a king. Naphtali, a doe. It will be a people of peace and beauty. Joseph, a fruitful vine, will be productive and be able to endure the attacks and has endured the attacks from his brothers. Benjamin, a ravenous wolf, will devour and plunder. Um, amazing blessings from Jacob. 
Jacob gives us an example of paying attention, I think, to our final words. But he's also an example of what is, it, what is a blessing? What does that look like? He, 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 he describes for us or helps us to understand uh, the nature of blessing. We see that there are different types of blessing. He, he blessed, the blessing he gave to Pharaoh was different than what he gave to his sons or his grandson, right? And so we have a, a blessing of appreciation. That, that, and this is a reality that when, when, we, when someone has done something for us, right, there's some expectation that we would bless them in return. We would appreciate what they've done and the gifts that they've used on our behalf, right? And to be appreciative, to be thankful is something that we, we should all strive to be. And Jacob shows his thankfulness and appreciation to Pharaoh. But also we see in Ephraim and in Manasseh this idea that blessing is the, also can be the proclamation of God's will right of God's desires right and so it is Jacob who says that Ephraim will going to be well, is going to be uh, the the promised son and that Manasseh is going to serve Ephraim so it is it is uh, Jacob here is proclaiming God's will in the situation and that's a blessing as well when we uh, can come alongside someone and affirm the calling into ministry or their calling into whatever it may be that they feel like God's calling them to, whether it be a move or whether it be a conversation or a reconciliation and relationship, right? When we understand and can see God's will in a person's life and can step into that person's life and give them the blessing of affirmation that God indeed is calling them into to whatever God, they feel God's calling them to. Uh, and then finally, there's this, uh, the, the final blessing I think that we see is just the, the blessing over his sons, the affirming the things that are good in people. Uh, you could describe this maybe more as encouragement. And I, and I see that what's going on with Jacob here. Jacob is not kind of coming into this and like calling something, some characteristic out of the blue sky. Like, as, you know, I wish this would be true about my son. No, no, no. He's, all, he's identifying what he, these, his sons already have as part of their character. The good things that God has created in them. And that's where the blessing is coming from. Again, he's not trying to create something. He's not trying to create some blessing. He's, he's calling out the blessing that he already sees, that's already there, right? And so I think this is, uh, this is an important type of blessing that we need to understand. Jacob also kind of gives us this style, if you will, the aspects of blessing. To, again, to speak out. A blessing is to speak out what is good. Right? That's, that's what's what blessing is about, is to speak out, to, to, to bring out into the light what is good. You know, to be able to share the things that are good and true and real. And when we do that, it's meant to be an encouragement to those that we're speaking this goodness out to, to them. Like, it's meant to encourage them to embrace that goodness. The hope when bless, uh, of, of Jacob, when he was blessing his sons, is that they would hear the goodness that he's calling out in them, and that they would embrace that reality and then live up to that reality, right? To, to live that out, to recognize, oh yes, I am this. I am a great chef, right? I am really, I love food. I love cooking things. And so now I'm going to live into that. I'm going to embrace that goodness and then live it out, right? And so, uh, so that's part of a blessing as well. And sometimes that blessing, as we see in, uh, in the examples here with uh, Jacob blessing his sons, sometimes it does include some kind of like uh, foresight of the future to come. Like if you embrace this goodness, if you embrace this blessing and really live it out, here are some things that, that could come from that or that likely are to come out of that. Uh, we see the same kind of thing in actually in, uh, in the New Testament with the Beatitudes, right? 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they will receive the kingdom of God, right? So this, this idea is calling out the good in us, the poor in spirit, and saying, hey, if you are poor in spirit, if you can embrace that goodness, yours is the kingdom of God. Like this is the future hope that you have. These are the things that you can look forward to. These are the things that are going to come out of that reality. And so Jacob, again, is an example for us of the style and the different aspects of blessing. But also I think Jacob points out who the source of this blessing is. Again, Jacob's not creating this out of his own creativity, right? He's not, it's not just kind of like, hmm, what do, I, what do I wish my boys would be? What, you know, it's none of that. It's, it's more of in his time with the Lord. As he spent time with the Father, the heavenly Father, and as he spent time with his son, God highlighted these good things in these people that he would be able to speak out. The source of blessing is never us, right? It's never human beings. The source of blessing is always the Father. True blessing is always first spoken by God. True blessing is always first spoken by God. And, and, and this makes you know, sense because you know, sometimes we can look at blessing or encouragement as something we just kind of throw out there kind of willy-nilly. Like, it doesn't really matter. Let's just say something encouraging to them. Oh, man, you look great today, even though they don't look great. But you just say, oh, man, you look great today, right? You know, we, kinda, we can have this tendency to throw things out there. But, I, but I, I think we need to be careful with encouragement. Encouragement is a great thing, and we need to be a part of that and be involved in it. But we need to make sure that we are encouraging people in the goodness that God has already proclaimed that's in them, right? It's, it's, not, not create, it's like the difference between a mentor and a salesman, right? I mean, I, I don't know if you've, I, I've, I've been around some pretty shady salesmen before, right? You probably have too, right? And there's just something about them uh, maybe salesman, politician, they're kind of the same, right? Uh, anyway, but there's something about them, right? When you hear them speak, when they come, hey, how's it going? And they begin, like, complimenting. Man, you look great today. Oh, my gosh, I bet you you're real strong, you know, whatever kind of thing. And you're just like, what is that? You're, you just, there's something inside you that just kind of, like, crawls a little bit. Like, ew, stop it. You are just, you know, this idea of flattery, right? And Scripture talks a lot about flattery, like, and that it, it's pretty a sick thing, right? It's a deceptive thing. So the words of a salesman, of the encouragement from a salesman, will turn us off and make us go, ah, this is not right. Why? Because we know that what they're saying is not true. But a mentor, someone we spent a lot of time with, or a parent, or a child, someone that we know really well, and they know us, when they speak a word of encouragement, when they call out a, a characteristic in us, and say, man, you're really, this is really beautiful in you. This is really good. Man, what an impact that has. Why? Because there's this sense of truth in it. That this is not just flattery. It's not just kind of somebody just throwing flippantly out some compliment. But it's deeper than that. There's some reality and truth in it. And a matter of fact, God has already been whispering that to us in our own souls. And so when someone else sees that and speaks it out, we go, yeah, it is true. Yeah, I can embrace that. I can live into that. And so Jacob, again, is pointing to the source. He's not just creating these things. He's seeing them. He knows his sons. He understands what God has already spoken to them, how he's already gifted them. And so he's calling those things out to make them beautiful. 
call his sons to embrace those truths. So, blessings. <laughs> the other interesting thing, back to kind of the opening kind of comments about our final words. If part of what makes our final words so impactful is because we were intentional about those final words. Boy, can't we be intentional all the time? You know, can't we, can't we take the time to, to really think about what we say before we say it? Right? I mean, James in chapter 3, right, he, he spends this, you know, whole paragraph talking about, you know, the tongue, right, and how restless it is and how it moves the whole body. And we got to, you know, somehow tame this tongue, this reality that there are blessings and cursings coming out of the same mouth. Wait a second, that's not right. That shouldn't be that way. And, and in and, and James chapter 1, he even says that we all should be slow to speak, right? And I think certainly in our world, we all could probably be a little slower in speaking, we really understand the power of words. Do you have an encourager in your life? Think about that. Is there, is there anyone in your life that you just kind of like go, man, that, that person just is a great encourager. He's, I don't see him here today, but Scott Studebaker, right? I mean, he is just a, he's just an encourager, right? I love hanging out. And, that, and that's the reality, right? If you really know somebody who's a really good encourager, you want to spend time with them, right? You, you want to hang out with them. They're like your best friend. You, you know, you want, like if they call, like, yeah, I'm there. I want to be with you, hanging out with you because you are going to, you're going to get filled up, right? You're going to feel good. You're going to get all these amazing things said about you. And you're like, yeah, that's great, right? I love Scott Studebaker. I love hanging out with him. You know, partly because he's a great guy, but partly because he's an encourager. And it's good for my soul to be around somebody like that who can call out the good in me. If words have that kind of power, why are we not more intentional about it? We have a world that is filled with words. It is so filled with words that now we're redefining words. <laughs> and then now we're, you know, there's even this movement to get kind of rid of words, right? We're just going to use consonants to be words. We're just going to use, you know, pictures, you know, or we're going to use these small little snaps of time to make, uh, to make a point. Language is getting destroyed and because we've spoken too many words. There's too much, too much out there. I mean, uh, information in our world is too much, right? It's just constantly, it's like doubling every, what, four years, three years now or something like that, amount of information that there is available to humanity, right? It's like, it's, it's unbelievable. And somebody have the stat? No one know? Okay, I, I thought I heard somebody say I have a step. Anyway, it's, it's crazy. So if words have power, why are we so flippant with them? Can we slow down? Consider what we say before we say it. Can you remember a time when someone spoke a word of encouragement to you? Think about maybe those big moments, right? The big memory as a kid. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a mentor. Maybe it was a friend. Someone spoke into your life and totally radically changed your life. Maybe spoke out a gift in you that you kind of thought was there, but you weren't really sure. 
Think about that, the power that those words had. But I think we can also remember words that have stung. And we continue to hang on to those painful words as well. A parent who just kind of was a little bit loose with something they said, and even though maybe they encouraged you over and over again, there's that one time they just didn't. And that's the one that sticks. Words have power to encourage, to draw out good in people, or the power to destroy. In our reading today in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, right? Because we have this Savior, because we have this Lord who loves us and has accepted us as we are, we, should be, we are called to be those who bless others, to encourage others. The church should be a place filled with encouragement. The church should be a place where blessing abounds, where there's, you know, it's a, it's a safe place to come. You don't have to worry about people tearing you down. Now, there are people here, so we are sinful people, and sometimes we make mistakes. But we, as a, as a body of believers who have received the greatest encouragement all from our Savior, should be seeking to pass on that blessing to others, to be looking to, to call out the beauty in other people. We are in a culture today that is hypercritical of everything. Everything you get out in the world is criticism of yourself, of what you're doing, but also of everyone else. It's amazing when you sit down and have a conversation with a stranger at a coffee shop, how quickly that conversation turns into something of critical. Like you're being critical of a politician, critical of you know, this, this thing, critical of this reality, critical of Russia, critical of president, critical of your pastor, critical. I mean, it's like amazing. It just quickly turns to criticism always. This is the world we live in. And because we live in that world, sometimes it can influence us to be critics along with it. Now, maybe when we show up on Sunday morning, we can kind of push that, you know, that off to the side for a couple hours so that we hang out with our Christian brothers and sisters and encourage them. But we are not meant to just be encouragers here. We're meant to be encouragers everywhere. In our families. I know I wish I'd have been a better encourager to my kids, my wife, my parents. I wish. I, I have fallen oftentimes into that critical nature thing as well. Or just kind of like oblivious, like ignore it. You know, that can be just as bad, not necessarily being critical of someone, but of not speaking out the good that's in them. To be silent on that. To leave them to try to figure it out on their own or to assume whether it's good or not. But to speak it out, I mean, it just, that's the power. As parents, as fathers, as mothers, do we encourage our kids? Or do we spend all our time criticizing them? Allowing our fear of them being something horrible in the future, like to rule how we speak. With our friends, are we critical or are we encouragers? May, do people want to be around you? If not, maybe you're critical all the time. Because people love to be around encouragers. If you want more friends, focus on encouraging. 
Look for opportunities to bless as much as you can. You know, I think we feel like we've got to be careful because we're going to make someone have, you know, be prideful. I know that was part of me as a father, like with my son especially. He's like, ah, he's really kind of this arrogant little kid, which is, eh, ah, I don't know where he got that from. Anyway, and so <laughs> I'm trying to, you know, get that out of there. So critical, critical, critical. I got to call him, cut him down, cut him down. You're too prideful. Wait a second, no. The Lord has taught me. He's like, what is it? What are you doing? Pride is an issue, definitely. But your job is to encourage your son not to tear him down. And actually, by tearing him down, I just push him to more pride and arrogance because of the fear that he doesn't measure up. And this is the reality. When we refuse or hold back encouragement and blessing from those around us, we're actually encouraging them to live out more evil and more sinfulness rather than righteousness. People want, long for, affirmation, encouragement. And if we give it to them, they live it out. They, it fires them up. It inspires them. So, how do we do it? How do we live that out more fully? I think it's, you know, just this reality that we need to, we need to seek Jesus. <laughs> we need to know him. And we need to be intentional. Again, our words can have power. But let's ask Jesus to help us to be intentional about the words that we speak. And when we sense criticism coming on, may we take that to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to see the beauty, not the sin. Lord, help me to call out what is good and not what is evil. Help me to see what is good and speak out what is good so that I can encourage this person to live more fully in what is good. Be intentional. Also, you know, I, I want to go back a little bit to this idea of our final words. Um, I know just in prepping this message this week, I, I've... I've been convicted by this. Um, you know, if I was to die today or tomorrow, like what, you know, what final words have I got for my kids, for my family, for my friends, for those people that are important to me? And I'm like, man, I, I've got nothing. I got nothing to offer them, nothing to say, hey, I just wanted you to know, if I never said this before, I'm going to say it one more time. Maybe I said it a billion times, but I'm going to say it again. I see this in you. It's beautiful. And so I, I've been convicted that I need to start building this, these final words, this list of final words, if you will. And as the Lord prompts the different people in my life that I need to write to, that I want to do that. And I want to begin to create this document that has my final words in it. So that when that day comes, whenever it is, whether it's tomorrow or, you know, 30 years or 100 years in the future, right? 150, I can do it. Anyway, um, whether, whenever it is that, and, and I can keep updating it, but I, but I have something that goes along with my last will and testament, but also words of encouragement to, to my family, to my friends, those closest to me. 
And, and I think that's maybe for, for others in the room. Maybe, maybe that's for you too. Don't leave your final words to some unknown point in the future where you're not sure how it's all going to play out. Take the opportunity to begin to build that right now. Create that final word document, if you will. All right, worship team wants to come up. How often do you speak life into others? Think about it. How often do you speak life into others? Follow-up question to that is how often do you see the life in others? If you can't see it, you can't speak it. (laughs) And so if you can't see it, then you're probably not spending enough time just listening to Jesus. What is he whispering to your heart? Not just as an encouragement to you, but when you're with other people, what are the things that he, he draws out and you're in, that, in those conversations? May we be people who are like our Savior and Lord, people who know what is true, people who live out what is true, and people who speak what is true over the lives of everyone we come in contact with. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your face is towards us. That you do look and you see us. And Lord, you see the good in us. Those are the things that you call out in us. The things that are beautiful and wonderful. Lord, we're sinful, we're depraved, we've got a lot of issues. But Lord, you don't focus on those things. The moment we bow our knee to Jesus as Lord, those things no longer matter and you zero in on the beauty, the good, and call us to to live those things out. Lord, help us to not only be able to hear your voice speak those words of blessing, but Lord, help us to be people who speak blessing over others. Lord, help us to see how you see other people beyond the sinfulness, beyond the ugly things of this world and to the, to the heart, to the things that are beautiful within, the things that you're doing inside them, the encouragement that you're giving them, that we can now affirm those things in, these, in this person. Encourage them and draw them to live into that beauty, into that power and that goodness. We thank you that you are a mighty and awesome God and that you've given us the ability to not only hear from you, but also speak your truth to others. Ephesians 4, 25 to 29, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of us speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your angry. And give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And let no corrupt talk come out of our mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, as you go today, uh, I'm going to challenge you to at least give two blessings before you leave. Let's start practicing it right now. Two blessings before you leave. 
hear what, the God, what God is saying, to see the good that's in that person, and would you call it out today? Have your conversations. Let's celebrate with Kendall and with Robert and with the boys. That's awesome, but let's also speak blessings over each other today. And if you need prayer, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. God bless.